Uh, today we're going to be on page 138 of our book, and we're talking about using our gifts in the local church and uh, the purpose of the church and uh, what are the motivations to, uh, to serve, um, where do those motivations come from, and, and then what are some hindrances to those motivations. Today we'll talk about uh, called a faithfulness in in our serving, and it is uh, this passage that we're working through in First Peter, uh, chapter four, is like if you think of spiritual gifts or you think of serving in the church, this is probably not one that that's like the go-to passage. Normally, it's First Corinthians twelve or or some uh, maybe the ones in Romans, but I mean this is uh, a pivotal, pivotal passage. It, it lays a foundational groundwork for for a number of those other passages that uh, that I just mentioned, and we're going to continue looking at that uh, today. And I think you're gonna you're gonna find it very uh, very edifying. But before we get there, Psalm 20. Um, this is a Psalm of David, and so we'll we'll sing in our hearts uh, with David as we we read the word of the Lord. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob set you securely on high. May he send you help from the sanctuary and support you from Zion. May he remember all your meal offerings and find your burnt offerings acceptable. May he grant your heart's desire and fulfill all your counsel. We will sing for joy over your victory, and in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some boast in chariots and some in horses, but we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stood upright. Save, O Lord. May the king answer us. In the day we call, let's pray. Father, it's not just David, the king of Israel, that that needs you to answer whenever he calls. It is us, and what a what a great psalm to start the day with. We're just reminded of your goodness and your mercy and your compassion. How you hear whenever we we answer. How many times, Father, we pray. And we do it um, because that's what we're supposed to do or that's what we're used to, to doing. And, and yet, um, many times when we pray, we, we, we don't think about the fact that you're actually listening. Um, sometimes we can even get discouraged when we believe you're listening, but it doesn't seem like you have answered. Um, and yet, here is a clear passage from your word that says not only you hear, but, but you're you delight to answer, and you will answer whenever we, we call. It's true, it may not be in our timing, um, but every single prayer of a believer is lodged in heaven. And um, Lord, you're even so gracious uh, as, to, as to sift them and, and uh, give, us, uh, give us exactly what we need, even when we, we don't know it. The Holy Spirit of God helps, and even as, as we pray. And oh, Father, just how this psalm ends. There's a lot of things to trust in. 
We can trust in our strength. Uh, we can trust in uh, our wisdom. We can trust in other men. We can trust in our bank accounts. We can trust in our health. We can trust in a lot of things, but, but David declares he'll trust in you. and uh, You are the only one that we, we can truly find uh, stability. And so we pray even this morning. You help us. You help me teach. You'll help us to rejoice in the gifts that you've given us and glorify your great name through our gathering. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be on page 138, and we've got a little video like we normally uh, do. I think it's three or four minutes long. It's, uh, it's Michael Horton. Um, and uh, unfortunately, uh, with all of the, the wokeness and... Um, all of the, the stuff that has come in the church, uh, um, you're going to see. This is an excellent video for what we're talking about, uh, but it's from the Gospel Coalition, or what's unfortunately become the Gospel-less Coalition. Uh, so um, it's not an endorsement of them, but some really good stuff. So let's listen. Uh, you know, especially in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, the, the Apostle Paul tells us, uh, that there is a variety of gifts that we have in the body of Christ. Uh, if everybody were a mouth, then where would the hands be? If everybody uh, were feet, then where would the ears be? We're all part of the body of Christ. Every part of that body is absolutely essential. And in Ephesians 4, Paul tells us, look, when it comes to being united to Christ, being a, a full member of his body, being baptized by the Spirit into Christ, we're all on the same level. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, and we're part of one body. We all share exactly the same gift of the Spirit in that sense. But in addition, he goes on to say, again in Ephesians 4, that the Holy Spirit, in addition to that gift of salvation, has handed out all sorts of other gifts. And it's interesting, these are gifts not that the person who has them needs, these are gifts that other people need in the body of Christ. And so God actually gives me a, this is not my spiritual thing, like am I, am I a Libra or a Capricorn? This is, what has God given me that someone else needs? So you're always thinking when it comes to spiritual gifts, not what has God given me for my own enjoyment, my own pleasure, but what has God given me for someone else and for the broader need of the body of Christ. When we're thinking in those terms, we'll also have what we need because someone else in the room has something we need. That's the way the body of Christ functions. God gives somebody a, a carton of milk that uh, a baby over here needs. God gives somebody uh, over here uh, the gift of discernment that someone over here is kind of caught up in bad teaching needs. Go around the room and realize that God has given everybody a rich diversity of gifts for the functioning, the full functioning and health of the whole body. So I think what's most important there is uh, just what caught my attention is the way that he described 1 Corinthians 12, which is that the Spirit of God has given each one of us a gift as he sovereignly desires. You don't get to pick it. You don't seek it. You don't work it up. It's something that's granted by the Holy Spirit of God, but it's granted specifically for other people. 
it's not for you. And so I thought that was really helpful. And what we're talking about is, uh, what we talked about last time is the motives for using those specific gifts in the body of Christ or serving in the, in the body of Christ. So we talked about the fundamental motives for service in the church. Now, everything we're going to be talking about is centered on the church, and that is vital. I'm going to just keep hammering that home because in our Christian world, uh, we have kind of separated uh, our walk with Christ from the local church. This idea of you have a, you know, a personal walk with Jesus. Me and God, I can be with God out in the tree stand just as well as I can be with God in the church. I don't have to go to church to go to heaven, all these different things. Um, there, there's a lot of individualism. Um, God's called me to go here. I was praying, and the Lord pressed upon my heart to do this, and so this is what God's called me to do. And then they come to the church and look for the church to fulfill their individual desires, their individual dreams, their individual visions. And that's not what you find in Scripture. What you find in Scripture is just the opposite. You're a humble servant um, assumed into the body of Christ, and as you work in the body of Christ, those gifts become evident, and God's given elders and pastors uh, in the body uh, that, that, are, that, that have their own gifts to, to help you identify that and affirm that, and then the church is the one that, that sends you out. It's not you and God. It's, it's you as part of a body, the body of Christ, Jesus being, being the head. And and, and so don't disconnect your Christianity from the, from the local church. I mean, this is the, the you know, plan A through Z, what, what you're doing this morning. So we're talking about the gifts and the service that you do that, that is within the, uh, the local body and the motives that, that, um, that Peter gave us for that. We're in 1 Peter chapter 4. Um, we, we talked about the... The motives being the end is near. Um, why would you want to do that? Because the end is near. We talked about how how even even that that motive that Peter gives in 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 chapter four is is the opposite of, of what we would we would assume, which tells you how um, the culture, the Christian culture, has reoriented our thinking in an unbiblical way. I mean, the time is near, the end is near, and what you would normally think that Peter would say is then, so go to the world and win the lost. And the end is near, and that's a motive to go win the lost, but that's not what Peter says. Peter says, the end is near, therefore serve one another with fervent love. Uh, Pour out your gifts with one another, because within the church, then the lost is, you know, they're, they're reached in that way. So we talked about the end is near, the two motives, and then fervent love for, for one another. And this morning we're going to talk about using those spiritual gifts. So, so Peter goes on in 1 Peter chapter 4, and we'll just read that before we, we launch. Look at verse 7 of 1 Peter chapter 4. It says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment, sober spirit, for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keeping fervent in your love for one another. That's the church. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one, still the same within the the body, has received a special gift or spiritual gift, 
employ it in serving one another. There's the church. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Grace of God. And now he's going to drill down even beyond um, what are the two categories for these gifts. Whoever speaks, speaking gifts, is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God and whoever serves, they're serving gifts, is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. And what's the result when speaking gifts and serving gifts are used in the church? People are stewards of those. The result is so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Now maybe, um, like me, uh, at some point in your life you took a spiritual gifts test. Uh, that used to be a really big thing in the church. And I can remember uh, right after I was saved, not long, within the first year. You know, I remember my pastor teaching or in Sunday school class. I said, what you need to do is you need to take a spiritual gifts test. And once you take the spiritual gifts test, then that's going to tell you how the Holy Spirit's give, gifted you, and then that's what you're going to be doing you know, in, in the body. Well, the problem with that was I didn't have the category that the categories that we're talking about, you know, right here. So I, I'm, I'm, I didn't understand 1 Corinthians 12, that it was the Spirit who's given me a gift specifically for the body, and I didn't have the categories that they're speaking gifts and serving gifts, and they're, they're, they're sovereignly bestowed by the Lord, and I didn't have the categories of how I'm even to employ them. So, so it's kind of, they kind of went to application first, and probably not some really great application. I mean, it's things like, what do you enjoy doing? Um, you know, so it, it, it was more, I mean, some of it was even mingled with natural abilities. And so they went to the application without going to the, the, the theology, you know, behind it, the understanding that, that's there, went to the doing first. So we're talking about uh, really going back to, to, to bedrock. God calls us to employ our gift. You're, you're supposed to use whatever the Lord's given you. Um, there are things that you uh, work for. There are things that you have been able to accomplish in your life, and that's, that's wonderful. Everything that you have is the Lord's anyway, and you're to use it for Him. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, like, like Dr. Horton said, you have been given the gift of salvation. You've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit that regenerates you and is in you. But then that Spirit has sovereignly bestowed gifts to you in the body of Christ to be used in the body of Christ, and they're different. And it's a gift that somebody else needs. So we're talking about using those. No one is left out. There are broad categories of gifting. and More specific gifts are identified but clearly the Spirit of God is at work in a believer's life. So we are to use our gifts for the betterment of the church. Like other commands in God's Word, we must use our gifts and not be idle. So now you're drilling down and seeing the, the focus of the lesson, not being idle. Using our gifts in the church is the most loving thing that we can do. If you don't know where to start in serving the church, then I would point you to Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. Um, your basic service in the church is show up. 
Because when you show up, you provoke one another to love and good works. And you, you don't have any idea how that's happening. You know, or how can that happen? Well, the, God says that's exactly what happens. When you come to church, your very presence there provokes others, the other people that are gathered there, to love and to good works. That's the reason that you don't have to be hanging out here doing your own thing. You, you, you come together. Well, how does God provoke each other to love and good works? How does God do that work in the gathering? Well, he does that through, through the use of the gifts that, that he has given you. So you have to come in order for the gifts to be used, and then the Holy Spirit of God uses those, those gifts. But you can be idle. Um, the most loving thing that you can do is to use the gifts that, that God has given you. So we're talking about employing your gift in serving one another. We live in such a consumer-oriented culture. And I hesitate even saying that because that's like we're in some unique time. We're not in any unique time. There's nothing new under the sun. The fall was operating uh, whenever the Apostle Paul was writing, the same way the fall is operating now. I mean, it may be manifesting in, in some unique ways because, you know, we're in 2020 and there's new technology and all of that, but there's no temptation taking you but such which is common unto man. You don't have a raw deal or a unique deal. Corinth was full of homosexuals and perversions and, and liars and all of the other things, and the gospel was working for them then, the same as the gospel works for, uh, for, us, for us now. Um, so, so it's not you know, uh, some uh, you, you, unique, unique time, but one of the things that marks our culture, one of the ways that depravity is coming out collectively is the, is the consumerism. You know, everything is about, is about me. Um, and what you're going to see over the next 10, 15 years, I have no idea how long it's going to take. You're already seeing it. You're seeing the dying of pragmatic ministries. Churches that have all have been about the shtick and the dog and pony show and the personality driven this and that, those are all going to go by the wayside because the church is persecuted and there's more and more clarity of what it actually means to be a believer and it's going to matter whether you believe certain things or not, those guys are, they're not going to have anything to offer. You know, the, the most uh, uh, obscene example of that is Joel Osteen, you know, with, the, with the, just the positive thinking, you know, movement. The guys that God and the churches that God, you know, is going to use are the ones that you're not going to hear about. They're, they're just faithful. They're not going to be pretty. Um, they're not gonna. They're not gonna have perfect accents. They're, they're, but, but what they're going to have is the word of the living God. Period. I mean, it's just and just faithful ministry, and that's going to happen on a smaller scale. And you're not going to see, you know, the big balloon animals like in the Macy's Day Parade flying along with, you know, with Jesus on it. it it's just. It's. It's. It's gonna. It's going to die, which means that's a good thing. Okay, it means that. That, that average people like you that are faithful to the Lord, God is going to continue to use you just like he's, he's using you now. But that, that pragmatic approach, you know, you see it in the pulpit, but you also, how does it affect the congregation? How, how do you see it in the pew? The idea that you come and that you sit there and that you listen and then you go home and, and, and you do nothing, you know. Uh, or or uh, ministry is program-driven. 
rather than focused on people and discipleship and a culture of life on uh, on life you know that has permeated the permeated the, the the church and so this is a call um to do the opposite of, of that employ your gift by serving w- one another and, and peter tells us that each person has is given a, a charisma a special gift if you look at verse 10 it says each one has received a special gift and in in my nasby the the word special is in is in italics um, because it's a it's trying to communicate the, the the fullness of the Greek word there the Greek word is is charisma it's a it's a spiritual gift it's it's a gift that has been granted by the by the Holy Spirit but notice he goes on and we're commanded to employ it in service of the body in service of one another as each one I mean, the whole point of this telling us that each one has received a, a spiritual gift. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in the serving, uh, in serving one another as good stewards of the, the manifold grace of, of God. I mean, what's ruling this sentence is that, is that second part. You're to employ it. What are you to employ? You're to employ what, what you've been given, what you've been, you've been graced with. So the spiritual gifting that you have been given is to be used, and the target of its use is one another that's in the body. It's to be used, not abused, by neglect or by self-focus. So we start out here with what are some of the hindrances? So then if that's true, if everybody in here that is a believer has received a special endowment from the Holy Spirit of God to be used in the church, in this church, then why isn't everyone in here using it? What are some of the hindrances for that? And that's where we start. You have it, but they may be shelved because of sin in your life. Well, the first place is that you look. You can't be too introspective and always be contemplating your, you know, your navel, as they say. Um... But you'd have to start there. One of the reasons that the Lord may not be using you or that you may not be using the gift that the Lord has given you is because of sin. What are some specific sins? Pride. Um, Pride is rampant, overt, self-focus that is resident in the, the, the human heart. Sin can be commission. It can be omission. So there's the... The worthiness of Christ produces humility, focusing on Christ and who He is. It's about Him. It's it's not about about us. A humble response to the worthiness of Christ and accepting service as an undeserved privilege. I remember dealing with a a missionary some years ago who had just become engaged in just gross sins for probably a decade on the mission field. And he had to be pulled from the mission field, and it was rampant in his, in his family. And, and, and I anticipated a broken man. You know, we were ready to minister to, to this family. And he came in tears, uh, and we were in tears with him and, 
And then about the second meeting, it became evident that, that these tears were, were not the right kind of tears. Because what started coming out in the, in the meeting was, I can't believe that, that I've been pulled off the field after 20 years of service. Look at all that I have done for Christ and all that I have done for the church. And this is the treatment you know, that, that I get. That's pride. That's self-focus. And I can remember one of the other pastors in the, in the meeting said, wait a minute, time out. You know, you don't deserve anything. We don't deserve anything. I mean, ministry is a privilege. It's a fundamental privilege that we get to do. I mean, I mean, we, we don't go to hell. We get heaven. And then even beyond that, God chooses to use us. So it sounds like that, that you need to, you need to turn, turn that around. You know, a humble response to the worthiness of Christ is accepting service as an undeserved privilege. How do you know that you're thinking rightly about that? Well, are you offended when you're not chosen for a, for a specific task? Are you offended when you're unused, when somebody else gets, gets tapped? I can remember a really odd way that, that my pastor um, selected between two deacons, two deacon candidates, two deacon candidates. And we had this really bad uh, practice of the congregation could nominate um, even from the floor. Um, you know, we're looking for a new deacon. Well, I'd nominate Brother Bob. You know, yeah. Somebody else say, well, that's a good idea. I'll nominate Brother Jim. And uh, no vetting, no anything like that. Don't even know whether Brother Bob and Brother Jim meet 1 Timothy 3. Don't even know whether they want to be a deacon. Um, and so then what happened was then the pastor was to take Brother Bob and Brother Jim in his office over the next month between the next business meeting and talk to them. Does he meet the qualifications? Do you want to do this? And there's only, here's a bigger problem, there's only one spot. So there's only one slot you know, available. So how are you supposed to discern between Brother Bob and Brother Jim? So the pastor says, brings them both in, wants you to go home, wants you to pray about this, if this is you know, something you think the Lord's laid on your heart you know, to, to do. And it goes through the whole process, and it comes down to um, Brother Jim got picked and Brother Bob didn't. Um, so there's a temptation or an opportunity for, for, for this, what we're talking about here, for the one that didn't get picked, right? And uh, Brother Bob comes back. He's not offended at all. He says, I'm just happy to serve however... Um, you know, if the Lord can use me in the way that I'm being used, then praise God. And if he can use Jim in that way, praise God. It was a beautiful example of how you're to respond to a situation with a very crooked way to get there, okay? So how you respond to not being chosen, how you respond to somebody else using maybe even the gift that you have says a lot about your heart. And if you understand, um, you know, this, the worthiness of Christ in your unworthiness, then that's going to test your own, your, own, your own heart. I serve because I'm an unworthy slave only doing what I ought to do. It's an undeserved privilege to serve, Luke 17.10. 
I also serve because Christ loves me and I'm undeserving of His love. So maybe shelf because of sin in your life, sin of pride. That sin also can be omission. Commission of pride, it can be omission. Simple neglect. We don't, we don't use what we have. Um, intending to serve is not the same as serving. Having, being motivated to use your spiritual gift of, say, giving is a wonderful thing. But you don't use your gift unless you actually give, right? <laughs> I mean, you can have the gifts of serving, and you can really want to serve. But then if you don't follow through and figure out where the body needs service and then actually serve, then you're not using your spiritual gift. Um, it can be simple neglect. You may not be employing it because you're sinning and neglect. You say, well, I think pride's sin. Well, did you know neglect is also sin? It could also be pettiness. You may not be using your spiritual gift because of a small view of church life. Missing the point. Um, everybody's talking about... Uh, at least in our circles, um, probably because of MacArthur. Church is essential. It is. It's essential not only for, uh, you know, for society, but it's essential for the Christian life. Um, it's everything. And so you can have a small view of the church and think, well, I mean, it's just a really small place to use what, whatever God's given me. Um, I, I think God's given me a gift to be used to, you know, in, in a much greater way than, than teaching a third grade Sunday school class or in a much greater way than, than just encouraging people after the sermon uh, or a much greater way than having somebody over, you know, once every couple of weeks or showing hospitality. I mean, my gifts are way more important than, than that. I mean, I want to serve multiple churches. I want to pre- I don't want to preach to to 30 people in a Sunday school class. I want to preach to 300 people. It can be come from a small view of the, of the church, a pettiness. Um, hindrance can also be come from unresolved sin among members in the body of Christ. We must be willing to forgive and pardon lavishly. We just had a sermon on that from the Apostle Paul on Sunday, didn't we? I mean, I think what uh, you know, exposition's just incredible because you see things that you would normally see. I think one of the things that that stood out to me was was just a comment. I only made a small comment about it in the you know in in the message. But think about the Apostle Paul talking about all these deep theological truths, and then he spends this time, even before he closes the letter, to deal with, with, a, with a, a petty disagreement, a personal disagreement between, between two women in, in the church, communicating that bad doctrine uh, is, is just as bad as having a, a bad relationship, a relational issue within the church. I mean, they'll both derail the church. You, you have to deal with them. Um, and uh, I've already received texts from uh, members 
saying that sermon was for me. And uh, I have a follow-up today, uh, tomorrow, with, uh, with some members, you know, because of it. The Lord works, and so there can be unresolved sin can be hindering you from, from employing uh, your gift. Number five, talking about some things that can hinder you, be shelved. Why would your gifts be shelved? Uh, neglect of prayer dependence. Prayer dependence. I can tell whenever people pray for me. How can I tell? Um, the Lord's pleased to use the preaching of the of the word. Um, and I don't mean by that I can feel something. Sometimes I can. But there's effectiveness. The word is, is, uh, is more effective in the lives of people than when prayer doesn't happen. You can neglect prayer. And when you neglect prayer, then humility doesn't reign in your life, and then you can get self-focused, and then you'll neglect employing service in the church. There can be an absence of thankfulness and an absence of, of gratitude. You can act like uh, buckets of grace instead of funnels to shower others with, with grace. There's a selfish, uh, consuming uh, approach. You can be selfish use, you know, wanting to use your gift only when you want to use it or only in the way that you want to use it or only with this specific people that you want to use it this is, I am a slave, I will serve you however, whenever, just use me. And the Lord will, you know, will do that. Um, don't be like a bucket taking in. What does a pond look like? Um, we used to call it uh, dog, the dog days of summer. What's a pond Look like where it has a stream coming, you know, in and uh, and then a spillway. So there's water coming in the pond, and then there's water going out. It usually functions really well. It, it's nice. What happens in the middle of the summer when you know when there's no rain? There's nothing coming in, and there's nothing going out. And algae, and it gets stagnant. It's a good illustration for your own Christian life. You need fresh water coming in, and then you need it pouring out need to be serving you know, others. So don't act like a bucket. Realize that whatever God pours in your life is a funnel to be poured out on others. Be a genuine lack of love. You just don't really care. Um, you love yourself more than you love other people. One of the other things is not serving with, with joy. So all of those would, would be in the category of sin. It's a reason that you're not employing the gift and serving one another as a good steward to be shelved because of, because of sin. Gummer too. Uh, it might not be sin, it could also be ignorance. They could be shelved because you don't know what the Scriptures teach about them. Um. Everything's going to come back to knowing God. You've been saved to know God. Your sanctification is based on knowing God. How do you know God? It's not um, experiencing Him. It's, it's renewing your mind. 
the way you know God is you understand what He teaches in His Word about Him, about you, and about, about life. Um, so you may not uh, have been useful because you, didn't, you thought you didn't have a grace gift. Some may have ignored what God has clearly said in this text in self-pity as though God couldn't use you in a, in a tangible way. Listen, if, if you're thinking, why would God use me? That's a good thing, okay? I mean, you're in a position, your heart's in a position for the Lord to actually use you. If you're sitting there thinking, why isn't God using me? You're not in a position to be used by the Lord. You understand? The ones that God you know, uses, the people that, that God uses, are the ones that are thinking, why would the Lord use me? Well, you've got to take that a step further. You're right. Why would the Lord use you? But then understand what this text says. This text says God says He is using you and will use you. Where will He use you? He will use you in the body of, of Christ. So it may be shelved because of, because of ignorance. Look at three. Why is this not happening? Well, they may be shelved because the church practices a superficial application of what 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11 teaches. Um, you don't have that problem here. We've got plenty of issues. But you don't have a superficial application of spiritual gifts. So here, the spiritual gifts test, you know, using your spiritual gift is serving in children's ministry. It's, you know, it's, it's, it, it's focused on a program. Um, it's focused on activity. It doesn't have the right motives behind it. It doesn't have the right target. It doesn't have the right understanding. So you can be in a church or in a place where there's a superficial understanding and therefore uh, the, the, gifts, the gift of the Spirit is not, not operating. To remember where all this starts, 1 Peter 4, 7. You begin with sound judgment and a sober spirit, which means that we're, we're led to be... Uh, alert in prayer. So there's critical thinking, there's self-control, and then there's humility, and then that spills out into love, which then overflows in service. I mean, the Lord's coming, and because of that, we keep in the forefront of our minds that, that this is not our home, the Lord is coming, time is short, it's His church, we're here to, you know, to bring Him glory, the Lord is at hand, and because of that, then we pursue critical thinking, discernment, and then we, we have self-control, and then prayer dependence, which is humility, and then that pours over into love, which then overflows into, into service. But if you try to work that backwards, you, you can see how it devastates the body of Christ. You start with the service, without the motives behind it, and without the Lord, ultimately. Love becomes dull, prayer becomes weak, Discernment becomes absent when there's no thought of Christ coming to reign. Um, so don't get it backwards. It can also come from poor shepherding. One of the reasons that um, 
I just cringe whenever I, I hear just the thought of, I want to preach to 300 people rather than the 30 people. It's something that our mentor, Dr. George Zimmick, has reminded me and our TES students when I was Dr. Z's student. He's still saying the, the same thing uh, today. And he says something like this. At the Bema Seat Judgment, you will not wish for one more person to be responsible for. At the Bema Seat Judgment, you're not going to wish for 300 or 3,000 members. You're going to wish for three from the standpoint of responsibility. Now, I understand you want to, to be effective for the Lord. You want to see as many people as possible serve the Lord, as many people as possible come to the Lord. That is a good motive. But that motive, not coupled with the responsibility that you're, you're now going to give an account for, for how you build, how, what tools you use in order to build the church or to, to proclaim the gospel is a, is a bad thing. And so when I read this one, this is just fear and trepidation. Because the spiritual gifts, your spiritual gifts may be hindered because church leadership is unwilling to model biblical service. Follow me as I follow Christ. Congregations begin to look like um, those who teach them, the motives that, that, are, that are there, um, because you end up modeling what, what is in front of you. So some leaders, this is not just for pastors, this can be Sunday school teachers, this can be influential men in the church. You're responsible for others, and so this applies to you, not just the pastors. Some leaders are, are after money, and they're, they're bitter that they're not being paid enough. Well, that wouldn't be your case. That could be a pastoral problem. Some leaders spend their resources on worldly living in, instead of, uh, of using it in ministry. They're consumers, and they're not, they're not givers. What does that look like in a congregation? Well, it means the congregation starts to model that. Some leaders want power and control over people, thus crushing a culture of using our, our giftedness. I can remember being in a church, and um, I wasn't there very long, and, and I had this frantic phone call of, of somebody who was serving you know, in the ministry, and I was in meetings, it was other things, and they need to talk to me, they need to talk to me, and I think, you know, wow, I mean, something horrible must have happened, and, you know, somebody died. I mean, it was, you know, I'm going to get to them and administer to them. And when I finally get on the phone, the question was, could they use the lapel mic from the, from the church in some other ministry in the church? I'm like, why in the world are you asking me that? Well, of course you can. I mean... And it was because the, the former pastor, everything had, he had to prove it all. You couldn't use the lapel mic in another part of the ministry without, without you know, his approval. Now, I don't know his motives behind that. I'm like, I don't care. Use the lapel mic and the mic stand and whatever else. I mean, if you're using it you know, for, for the Lord. Some leaders want power and control over people. And again, I'm not, I don't know what his motive was. But it's crushing her. 
there's a crushing culture of using your your giftedness, overbearing. Don't be an overbearing leader. Some leaders are faint-hearted, though, and they're, they're timid in their faith. They more lay back. You know, I mean, who am I? There is this idea of, of false humility. Um, you you lack le- lack meekness. You don't lack leakness. You lack meekness. Um, what did Paul tell Timothy? Stir up the gift that is within you. You have a gift. Don't lay back. Don't be timid. Don't be faint-hearted. Um, yes, it's hard. Yes, sometimes it's scary. That leads to sometimes leaders being risk-averse. What does being risk-averse look like? They try to micromanage everything in the body. Now, there are people that are process-oriented, and that is a, that's a gift. It's not a spiritual gift to be process-oriented. But you talk about serving gifts and speaking gifts. There are people that, are, that have serving gifts, and, and they know how to make the trains run on time. And that's a wonderful thing. It's needed in the body of Christ. It's needed in, in life. I joke all the time, you know, Pastor Brody keeps me straight here at the church, and Tracy keeps me straight at home. Both of them are very process-oriented, very helpful. Now, Pastor Brody is unique, and not only is he process-oriented, he's people-oriented, too. Um, but, but, but you can have, um, you know, uh, people that want to micromanage everything. Um, and that's a problem. Uh, use your gifting, which may be uh, administrative, but don't micromanage everything in the body. The body belongs to the Lord. Um, he does with it what he wants. Micromanaging isn't making sure everything is done decently and in order. That's not micromanaging. It's how you respond whenever it doesn't go according to plan. That's where you'll realize whether you're a micromanager. So this doesn't mean just, well, hey, you know, we kind of... No, use, use the gift. Take a firm grip. You know, we, we have to do things. Things have to get done. But whenever the Lord takes it in a different direction in His providence, um, and, and you, you know... No, <laughs> I'm going to go this way. Now you've got uh, a realization that you need to deal with something. The body belongs to, to the Lord. And um, the Lord may be taking the church into rough waters on purpose. The Lord may be shedding members on purpose. Um, the Lord may be humbling you on purpose. We've talked about this even with, with COVID amongst the you know the pastoral staff. The Lord has given us a season of of blessing and unity, and that's his mercy. I am thankful we've made wise decisions, but what is wisdom? It comes from the Lord. I mean, it's not because we're smarter than anybody else or a better church than anybody else. I praise God for that. I know really good churches that are in the middle of turmoil and choppy waters because of what's going on. You know, it's directly related to bad choices they made, maybe, but but we've made bad choices and the Lord's worked it out the other way. I mean, it's all about him. Well, he sovereignly superintends over his church. Maybe he wants to humble the leadership there. Maybe he wants to, to move people around. That's, that's all him. You're going to be okay with that. It's hard to be okay with that. Really hard to be okay with that. It took me a long time. I used to try to hold on to members tightly, too tightly. Um, and you need, I mean, there, there's the principle, pursue people. 
you're, you're a shepherd. These are sheep. You don't let the sheep fall away. You've you got pursue, to pursue the sheep, and that's what I would do. But, but there are other times when, when you pursue them too, too far, and the Lord wants to put them in another sheepfold. And maybe He wants to remove a goat from amongst the sheepfold here. So you, you have to allow the Lord to do those kinds of, of things. Unresolved conflict in leadership and by lay ministers, church splits or factions, um, all of those things could be, could be hindrances there, gifts being shelved, gifts not, being, not functioning in the church because of the, because of the issues within the, within the leadership. I mean, one of the reasons that Paul names those two women is because it's a prominent, they have some prominence in the church. Not a teacher, not an elder, but they're known. And everybody knows there's a conflict there, and there can be conflict in the body, and that's a problem. It has to be dealt with. You get conflict on the leadership level, and it, it causes even, even greater problems, weakens the, the church. In some seasons, vitality dips, and God then causes a desperation in the people for, for growth. And so don't discount. The Lord may be allowing these things for your sanctification. So those are some of the hindrances. Um, some of the hindrances. Let's look at the, their use. What could hinder them? Go back to what Peter says. Each one has received a special gift to employ. It can be, you can have it, but it can be hindered. What does it look like whenever they're used? There is a great camaraderie in knowing that each one has been gifted. Um, there's a leveling that takes place. Not a, I'm up here and you're down there. Not my Sunday school teacher is the one who's really gifted and I am, and I'm not. Um, they're speaking gifts and they're serving gifts. And don't we tend to focus on the ones that, that are up front, the ones that we, that, we, that we listen to? I mean, look, I am very thankful to be able to preach the Word, and, and it thrills my heart to study and to make the Bible clear. Like, one of the most just soul-soaring comments is, Pastor, that was so clear. That was so helpful. I mean, that's the goal. Because you hear God's voice through the word, God is going to do things in, in your life. You heard him, you, know, you, you didn't hear me. But that's not where the, the, on, that's not the only place that, that work happens. Because after that sermon, then people are going home, they're going to other people's houses, and they're sitting around the lunch table and they're talking about the voice that they just heard, God's, not mine. And then they're working that out. And then from those conversations, there is a, a meeting that, uh, for coffee that was set up later to talk about that specific issue in this specific person's life, and there's discipling that's happening. That's the work of the ministry that's happening. And so there, people are, are serving. And then somebody prepared that lunch for people to sit around that table 
and, and, then, and then somebody cleaned up after we all left, and somebody has come in between the services to, you know, to, to clean. And somebody's making coffee for us in, in between, which was really nice to have again this past uh, week, by the way. It was a wonderful thing. I mean, that, that's just as important as the speaking gifts. I mean, he doesn't tear this. Speaking gifts, yeah, serving gifts. I mean, all of these things go together to cause the body of Christ to, to function so Jesus is glorified. Don't fall to the trap of 1 Corinthians 12 and only focus on, on, on the visible members. Um, there are other things that, that go on that are just, import, just as important. The proper working of each individual part contributes to the building up of the body in love and the usefulness for gospel ministry. I think there's no greater desire for a believer um, than just their heartbeat to be, Lord, I just want to be used. I want to be used by you. just want to be used. just want to be obedient. And when that's happening, there's unity. And there's mutual hope in the Spirit. So notice what Peter says. We should serve one another as good stewards. So he says you have a gift. It can be hindered. It can be used. When it's hindered, it's, it's hindered for these reasons. When it's used, there's camaraderie. There's proper working. There's usefulness in the gospel ministry. There's unity and, and mutual hope in the Spirit. We should serve one another as, as good stewards. It's important. It goes back to the fact that it's a gift. Our stewardship means that we will give an account to the Lord for how we used his, the gifts that he gave us. We give an account for the Lord. Watch how Peter ties back to the motives. Remember the motive? What's the motive? The Lord's coming. <laughs> The end is near, and so out of fervent love, serve one another. So the Lord's coming, love Him by, by loving the church and, and serving, and then He says, He's equipped you to do that. He's equipped every one of you. He's going to say that He's equipped you for, for serving or, you know, or speaking, but, but here He ties it back. There's a, you're a good, you, have to be a, you have to use Him as a good steward. And that's not just the idea, it's not mine, it's not something natural, it's something gifted by the Spirit. Embedded in that is a steward will give an account for what they've been given. So now we're back to the Lord's coming, right? And you're going to give an account. Not for the results, but for how you used the gift. I mean, that's the whole point of 1 Corinthians 3. Um, somebody plants, somebody waters, but God gives the increase. And so the focus there is be careful how you build. It's not the results. It's the use. It's the focus. Make sure that you use the gospel. Make sure you use the word. Make sure you don't mingle it with, with anything that's worldly. Because there's coming a day when what you used is going to be tested. Wood, hay, or stubble, gold, or precious stone. And the day will reveal. Um, if we are poor stewards, look at B there. If we're poor stewards, we were poor stewards in the past. Then get after it. Serve. 
and use your gift. Sometimes in trials, uh, sometimes the trials in your life prevent more usefulness. But God actually wants you to grow through those trials to make you more useful. How many times I've prayed a derivative of this. Lord, I see no purpose in what I'm going through right now. In fact, if you would remove the difficulty that I'm going through right now, I could serve you better. Like this is hindering me from serving you. And you know what the Lord's saying? No, I'm actually bringing this in your life so you can serve me better. Have you been through a tragedy or a difficulty, something that you wouldn't wish on anyone? And yet, when you come out the other side of it, you're better equipped to serve the Lord, you're more humbled, you're, you're more aware, um, there's less pride, you have greater level of compassion. That's God working in your life. Now, He may not have even liked what, what you went through, but God works it together for His purposes. So sometimes trials in your life uh, prevent uh, usefulness. God grows you through them to make you even more useful. You're hindered by things that you can't figure out, but, but God wants to give you wisdom and insight to walk through them to be more useful uh, to the body. What's James say? If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask the giving God. Pulls the, you know, the, the, the giving up front, the description of, of God. And doles out wisdom liberally. Maybe hindered by things that you can't figure out, and, and God wants you to seek Him through that and give you more wisdom and insight so you can turn around and be able to use that for somebody else. It's because stewardship's an accountability. And God doesn't give us an accountability without growing us so that we can accomplish it. The Apostle Paul is known for using athletic ideas because it just makes sense to us. Think about you know, your spiritual muscles. They grow the same way that your physical muscles grow when, when they're, they're stretched and they're strained and, and there's weight that's, that's put on you. And then those muscle fibers tear down, and then they, they build back. Um, God doesn't give us an accountability without growing us so that we can accomplish it. The Lord will infuse in you everything that you need to do, whatever He's called you to do. But one of the ways He may prepare you to be able to do what He's called you to do is, is to bear weight. So get after it. Um, get under somebody so... You don't drive the car in the ditch, but the way you're going to learn to drive is drive. Um, you have to bear weight. In bearing the weight, that's when you're going to learn how to bear more weight. And yeah, it may buckle your knees some so somebody else can come along and help you, but you have to get under the weight. Don't get under the weight alone. You know, d Don't go there and you know, try to bench press uh, you know, twice your body weight without a spotter. That's dumb. But if you don't get on the weight bench and, and you just look at it, you're not going to build any spiritual muscles. So somebody else has been given a gift to, to oversee you know, and, and, and to help. Paul says we're good stewards 
You'll give an account for whether you use what you have, not just your goods, but your specific gift that the Lord has given you within the body. And notice it says we're good stewards of the manifold grace of, of God. Embedded in this terminology is symmetry and creativity. Uh, manifold grace. There's a multicolored nature. There's variety. Um, your gifting is not the, the, the only gift in, in the body. You're to complement one another, not compete with, with one another. Um, simple you know, illustration. Some people are, we're talking about serving versus, versus uh, speaking. Some people are people-oriented and other people are process-oriented. The process-oriented kind of pe- uh, individuals, I mean, everything's got a row, everything's got a column, it's got to run this way and it's got to run that way. And, and they'll be challenged that when it comes down to choosing between people that function in the process or the process, they're going to choose the process. You know, I mean... People have to function within within the within the boundaries here. On the flip side, the people oriented folks, you know, I mean, process, process. I mean, it's all about people, right? I mean, it's all about their hearts. It's all about what they do. Those things don't compete; they complement one another. Same thing with the with the with the spiritual gifts. Same thing in your marriage, gentlemen. I mean, your wife is different from you. And and the things that grate on your nerves are the very things, vice versa as well, the things that you grate on her nerves, are the things that God's given you that when you put them together, you complement one another. But what happens? We normally find that we compete. The things that I have, I I say, why don't you have that? Why are you so weak in that area? And she's looking at you thinking the same thing. And what we need to be thinking is, I'm strong in this area because you're weak in that area. So we complement one another. It works the same way in the body of Christ. So there's, in the body, there's symmetry, there's creativity, there's a multicolored nature, there's variety to the gifts, and God has uniquely put together the body so that we build up the body as we employ our gifts. So we're back to the humility part and don't be proud. And it should inspire us to be, to be in the body what he wants us to be. Are you okay to just be whatever God wants you to be in the body? Um, or do you want preeminence? Do you want more than that? You think you got a raw deal whenever the spiritual gifts were handed out? The Lord should have given you a little more. Notice number four, we serve by the strength that God supplies. Everything is the, 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 the word for gift, the fact that you're a steward of that gift, the fact that the gift is described as the manifold grace of God, and the fact that you, you employ it by the strength that God supplies. All points back to it's all Him. It's all His empowerment. It's all His gifting. People bless the body by one another as the Spirit inter- energizes their service. It energizes people to observe this. And there's a model of Christ on display. The body is served and people are, are blessed. Well, how do you know when God's doing that? Well, you don't. By faith, God says that he'll do that. 
I can remember somebody asking MacArthur about the anointing of the Spirit in the pulpit. And you know whenever you're anointed by the Spirit in the pulpit, Q&A at a shepherd's conference probably 10 years ago or something. And he was like, well, I have no idea, and neither do you. I mean, I don't have like some red light that goes on on top of my head. I'm anointed by the Spirit right now. So what does that mean practically? It means God works through his word. So study his word to be clear and preach his word. And, and then as you do that, God will work through his word. Where's God working? How's God working? I have no idea. But God promises to work, right? That's his work. Your work's to be faithful, to use the gift that he's giving you. In this case, a speaking gift. Be a good steward of that. Know you're going to give an account. It's not about you. Know that it, it, it's part of a number of gifts that are operating you know, in, in the church. And then do that by the strength that the Lord supplies. Um, and when that happens... There's the aroma of Christ. Christ is on display, and the body is served, and the people are blessed. And if that's not happening, then you need to go back to the hindrance section. What's hindering? What's hindering the body? What's hindering you? And number five, we round out the passage here. It's the result. Whenever you're speaking, um, look at uh, verse 11 in Peter Chapter 4. Whoever speaks, do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God, literally, the, the, his very voice. For somebody who's speaking, that means get the text right. Don't say anything more than what the Bible says. Whoever serves is to do so who is serving by the strength which, the, which God supplies. So both tie back to, to the Lord. And the result of that is so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So we serve in all things that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and the dominion. And ever. I mean, the use of your gifts ultimately is so that Jesus can get glory. And he gets glory through his church. His church being built up and sanctified. And what happens when gifts are being used? It's not even to make a great church. A great church, though, is one that looks like Christ, functions like Christ. Jesus is glorified in that church because people are being saved and people are being sanctified. And so there's a divine mastery over all churches, over all the church's service. God's sovereignty and majesty are on display in the development of people's gifts. What a great passage. Um, start there when you're talking about spiritual gifts. Then go 1 Corinthians 12 and maybe some other. Comments, questions? Yes, Bobby. Yeah, I was looking for videos for this morning, and I ran across one that uh, Steve Lawson, you know, years ago, and the title was, um, I am sorry, Mr. Pope, you are not the head of the church. You know? 
Jesus is the head of the church. I'm not the head of the church. The elders aren't the head of the church. Christ is the head of his, of his church. We're part of the body. Elders are part of the body. You're part of the body. That's great. Any other comments, thoughts? All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. Um, it's foggy, subdued morning. Sometimes you give us lessons to be used immediately. There's an itch that's scratched. We come with an itch and you scratch it and other times you, you just put something in our cupboard that you're going to call us to, to pull off the shelf later. Um, thank you for doing both of those things this morning. Um, thank you for truth. Thank you for good teaching. Thank you for the gifts that you have given both serving and speaking, and thank you for this body where, where they're used. Oh, we long for Jesus to be glorified in all that we do. And I even pray now that the gifts of this body will be used well, not only as these men go throughout their day, but, um, but in the funeral that's coming up. 10 and 11, 12, there's going to be ministry that will happen speaking ministry that will happen uh, and then a meal afterwards hospitality all part of a, a vibrant church thank you for that may those things go well uh, may the Clark family uh, be blessed and served um, we ask it all in Jesus name amen